Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, we're a third of the way through the season. Texas, of course, 4-0. Uh, Kansas on the horizon here. I mean, just what do y'all think about where we've been <laughs> so far? <laughs> I, think, I think that the Longhorns... Um, uh, are uh, are in really good shape uh, heading into this. I think uh, I, just taking a step back last night and kind of collecting my thoughts. I, I watched uh, uh, not only rewatched the the press conference, but also uh, the rewind from Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I, I think that right now Texas four and uh heading into the meat of the schedule in conference play, uh, facing consecutive offenses uh, that are in uh, look. The top, depending on how you look at it, I mean, Kansas is the number one third down offense in the country. They complete or they they convert sixty percent of the time on third down. They've got something going on at quarterback. Their scoring offense is averaging thirty-seven point eight points per game, which is more than Texas. Um, then Texas goes and plays OU next week. They're the number four scoring offense in the country. Uh, the next few weeks, uh, the next two weeks are really the meat of the schedule. And are going to test a Texas defense that continues to be ranked extremely highly uh, from an efficiency standpoint. And so what I think we're getting ready to see over the, not just this week, but next week is strength on strength. And how good is this Texas defense? I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's, here's a fact that just blew my mind away. JT Daniels at Rice, you know, he's one of the top 10 passers in the country right now in yardage. Wow. Texas completely limited him, right? Yep. It, you know, it's strength on strength the, these next two weeks. I really believe that. And we're going to see exactly what Texas has done because um, Longhorn's doing pretty good on th against third downs right now uh, as a defense. Uh, but uh, OU and Kansas both really good on third down. Uh, top five each of them. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, big game coming up for the Longhorns in DKR this weekend. You know, look, the last time Texas played at home, they didn't get Wyoming behind the chains. Um, yep. Kansas, the only way you're you're uh, converting 60% of third downs is if you have a bunch of third and shorts and mediums. It's not like they have third and 13s, right? And they're completing 60% of those. Um, so first down, run defense, huge. Uh, I, I think early in the game, too, you know, Texas hasn't faced option football, right? There's some things that it would, that Kansas presents that Texas hasn't faced. Um, so how they adjust to those, how quickly they adjust to those, um, I think will be big in this game uh, for Texas. You know, it, it, to me, Bobby, it'll be it's 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 so interesting because um, I I've been saying I think Jalen Ford could get Jalen Daniels this week. I I forgot he had an interception against Kansas last year. Um, but I, I think a lot of this game is – Texas just had – it's a great coaching week. And I said it yesterday. It's a great coaching week for Sark because they haven't played at home as well as they have on the road. And that's really easy to coach to that this week, right? All right, we need to play up to our standard at home that we seem to have on the road, but we haven't at home. But now we have to at home because look who's coming in. It's a team that's very confident, that believes they can beat Texas, in DKR in front of 108,000 fans and ruin the season. Uh, it's a great coaching week for Sark. I, I 
you know, watching the BYU game, uh, kind of watched a little bit of that again this morning is, um, you know, I just uh, I think Texas has an advantage on both lines. I think Kansas did a good job in the portal on a defensive line. Um, but if Kansas Kansas wants to sit in the zone, the only way they can sit in the zone is if they slow down Texas run game. Uh, you mentioned doing well. Another stat that stuck out to me, Jerry, mentioned well about the defensive line for Kansas. Tackles for loss through the first four games. Okay. Texas ranks number 29 in the country. Kansas ranks number eight. Yeah. They are playing pressure defense to try to get you in third and long. Yeah. Then they'll take their chances. Um, and so it's going to be high risk, high reward for them. But they just want the, to get the ball back for their offense. I mean, that's their entire game plan, right? Is yeah. just give us the, the offense enough chances and we'll eventually score more points than you. Um, you know, BYU, uh, for the record, had a top uh, 50 defense uh, heading into uh, this week uh, as well. Not sure what's happening here. <laughs> I got like a crazy light going on in the background. Um, long story short, uh, the Longhorns uh, have a their work cut out for them in one way. Kansas is going to have is going to want to dictate what they do on off on defense to Texas's offense. Okay, the Longhorns can't be they can't take the punch. They have to hit back to, to Steve Sarkeesian's uh, comment. They cannot just let them uh, dictate what they're going to try to do. Hey guys, before we move on, I do want to say coming up at eight thirty, we uh we will have Shreyas. Alada of the Kansas City Star. He will be joining us. He covers uh, hoops and football for them. Knows this stuff, so that'll be a, a great guest coming up. And then, Jerry, one thing I wanted to get to, you have some interesting notes. Put it Even put in an RPM on some 2025 prospects, so I'm going to let you tell everybody about that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I put in an RPM, on three RPM yesterday for Jackson Christian, a 2025 offensive lineman out of Port Natchez Groves. He's going to be at the Texas game this weekend. I'm not saying he's committing to Texas this weekend, uh, but I do think things are headed in the right direction for Texas in that recruitment. 6'5", 290-pound offensive tackle for Port Natchez Groves. He may start his career at guard. He was really, really good at June 11th Texas camp, elite camp, and they offered him. He came back for the pool party late July. Now he's coming back for a game this weekend. Uh, I think Texas is in a really good position there. Of course, this this morning, uh, news broke that DeCorian Moore, five-star wide receiver out of Duncanville, committed to LSU. He'll be back at Texas, second home game in a row. He'll be back at Texas. Um, he's actually going to make that trip down, it sounds like, with Jordan Johnson Rubel, the Texas commitment, uh, who's at IMG Academy. They grew up together, very, very good friends. Um, so it looks like he, uh, IMG was supposed, they were looking at a game against Bishop Gorman this weekend. And I mentioned that, but this, I guess Gorman couldn't get it approved through the state of Nevada because it was a game. It was a chance for them to play where both teams didn't necessarily have a game or opponent they wanted to play, but they couldn't get that approved in, in time enough. So IMG just said, eh, we'll, we'll, we'll chill out. That gives Jordan Johnson Bell the opportunity to come in this week and he's flying in tomorrow. Uh, going to fly in the Fort Worth DFW area tomorrow, probably go to a high school football game on Friday night and then drive down early Saturday early Saturday morning with DeCorey and Moore. Uh, so that'll be good to get Moore back on campus again. Alex January, obviously another Duncanville player, a D lineman, Mike January's son. He's going to be on campus this weekend. This will be his first Texas game of the season. 
Uh, so we'll see if Colin Simmons makes that trip too. I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock. I don't think it would shock people, but again, the visitor list is going to keep building um, for Texas, Kansas this week. And I think with Texas being the host team at, uh, in Texas OU next week, there's going to be a lot of big names in the Cotton Bowl. Definitely sounds like it. Hey, real quick, y'all. I got a couple of super chats I want to get to. This first one from UT Boy. He says, family, good morning and hook them. Appreciate it, UT Boy. Good morning, and then Michael Schuler. Uh, he, thank you, Michael, as well. He says, thanks for all y'all do. With Catalan's heavy snap count possibly affecting draft stock, coupled with a robust NIL package, could we see him return potentially in 24? I, I, you know, I kind of brought that up last night is um, that with NIL, you kind of wonder because what I think Catalan's going to, his issue is going to be passing the physicals for the NFL to draft him. Um, I mean, he's going to play in the NFL. It's just, or, or what type of chance are teams going to take on him financially because of the injury history, right, Bobby? So could something happen there? I don't think it's out of the question. I don't think it was probably in the plan, but we'll see what happens. I, I, I got to take this question. It, this one's bothering me. Okay. <laughs> Greater historical running back, Gail Sayers or Earl Campbell? I know it has nothing to do with <laughs> this chat, but this kind of stuff just irks me. Um. Earl, Gail Sayers was never the MVP of the entire league two consecutive years. I'm just going to that. <laughs> I mean, for, there was there was a time when Earl Campbell was the best football player on the planet for a period of about three to four years. Gail Sayers was never the best football player on the planet. He was a good player and an NFL player, and a Hall of Famer, electric, all of that stuff. He was never the best football player on the planet during his time. Uh, there were other guys out there, Jim Brown in, in particular. That just, just uh, I want to put that out for people that don't understand how good Earl Campbell was and try to, uh, even Ricky Williams, a great player, right? NC, at one point, NCAA all-time rushing leader. There were other players in the NFL that were kind of as good as Ricky, right? Earl Campbell was the best player in the NFL. So just it's it's a big difference. It's a big big difference. I'm sorry. Go go back back to back to your regular programming, uh, Blake. I had to bring that up though. Oh no, you're good. You are good. All right. Well, we got plenty of questions, and there's still plenty of time to get your questions in. Obviously, we'll get to as many as we can. So uh, let's just start at the top. We'll do that this morning. Uh, Captain Americano. He says, "I saw that Texas was losing the time of possession battle against opponents this year." Is that primarily due to explosive plays by our offense or too many three and outs? They don't have too many three and outs right now. Um, they've cut down on that precipitously this year. They had two two-play drives against Baylor that that were 75-yard-plus drives or 60-yard drives. That, I mean, what are you going to do? And, and to Jerry's point that Jerry always goes off on and, and is accurate – the 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 mo of rice and wyoming was to choke the clock yeah. out against the longhorns so given all of that i i don't have a problem with time of possession and i'll, I'll be honest with you if they're going to try to nitpick texas down the field um i haven't seen a team really do that all that successfully i mean rice scored all of 13 points uh wyoming scored all of 10 and one of them came on a big play uh, Baylor 
tried to do it, and they scored six. The, the teams that go for the big plays, like Alabama, they're the ones that have scored points against Texas. So if Kansas tries to go and choke the clock against Texas, I think that's unless it's unless they're up in the second half for some reason. I don't see that as the way to beat Texas. I think you have to beat Texas over the top. Well, I I think that to your point is Texas never really got Wyoming behind the chains, right? So if I'm Kansas going into this game, I try to stay ahead of the chains early and see, okay, all right, Texas, if y'all can't keep us, if y'all can't get us behind the chains, then we can we can play this type of game. It's a little different, but we also have Jalen Daniels at quarterback. I think that may be a little bit of the game plan early to see. Now, does Texas take that away? Texas didn't take it away against Wyoming, right? And to your point, Bobby, I think that's going to be the that's going to be the key. Is um, you know Kansas is competing, completing. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I guarantee you Kansas is completing sixty percent of third downs because they're not averaging third and eight and a half, right? I mean, so what are they now? They have the ninety fifth ranked schedule non conference. So that may help, but I think they've been, my guess is without studying every one of their possessions, they've been in a lot of third and short and mediums this season, right? So can Texas get them behind the chains? Because that will change your game plan Saturday. I think they have to be a big play offense against Texas. I don't think they're going to be able to nickel and dime Texas. Uh, Jay Lee, this is a great stat that he has up there, Jerry. Texas is is only 38% on third down, the Texas offense. Mm -hmm. KU's offense is 60%. But this is where it flips. Texas's defense is only allowing 30% of third downs. So KU is at 60% off on offense. Texas is at 30% on defense. Yeah. That's what I said. This is going to be strength on strength a little bit here this weekend and how they come out. Uh, Kansas, by the way, their defense allowing 37% uh, of third downs. So um, I, I think strength on strength is a big one. Uh, and how the uh, Texas offense goes up against the Texas defense. I mean, it's it's simple football uh, and simple math, but the Longhorns, they have to come out strong on both sides. All right, y'all. We're going to read this other super chat real quick here, uh, and it's from Trey Day, and he says, what does the size matchup on the line of scrimmage look like against Kansas? It feels like our D-line should be able to overwhelm the Kansas offensive line. What do y'all think? Jerry? Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I think Kansas did has done a um, – I think Kansas has done a good job in building their program. I think they have a little more depth on the offensive line. But, yeah, look, if, if the Texas defensive line goes out and, and doesn't win this game at the line of scrimmage, then you're going to lose the game. I mean, I, that this is one where Texas, again, has better personnel. They have more personnel. They have deeper personnel. I think what uh, Ian Boyd said last night is, is – rings really true to me. They're so multiple on the way they present their defensive fronts this year. Um, uh, you know, can, is Ethan Burke lining up really wide in this week, good against the option? I mean, what, what's how's Texas going to attack some things against Kansas they haven't seen before? But here's the, here's the thing. We wonder how they're going to attack them, but we know they can because they've shown so much, so much multiplicity this season. Uh, so Texas has an advantage on both lines of scrimmage. I think where Kansas program has gotten a lot better, obviously Jalen Daniels is a good player, uh, but I think where they've gotten better, they've done a good job on the portal on the defensive line. I think all their guys are portal guys. Um, uh, um, Leipold specifically mentioned Gage Keys, the Minnesota transfer. 
uh, on his Monday press conferences, playing at a high level for them right now. Uh, but they, they've done a good job building a defensive line through the portal because in recruiting at a high school, yeah, they could hit on the guy like a guy they did out of North Shore, right? That ended up being an NFL draft pick occasionally. But the only way they're going to be consistent is through the portal. They're not going to be able to recruit high school level high enough. Big 12 media days when Leipold spoke, uh, he said that he he really liked his offensive line this year. All the guys back, but more importantly, felt like he's finally got more depth uh, along that offensive line. Uh, uh, hey, before we go to our, our special guest, we can talk a little bit more about KU uh, with an educated observer, <laughs> uh, I guess is the best way to say it, uh, Shreyas Latta, uh, joining us here in a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsor uh, for uh, Wednesday morning's uh, Coffee and Football. That's Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. If you or yours have been injured in a car wreck or uh, on the job, make sure you give Adam and his uh, group a call if you think you might deserve compensation. Uh, that is, go to LoweyLawFirm.com for a free consultation. That's LoweyLawFirm.com for a free consultation. Let's bring in Shreyas, uh, Blake, and then talk a little KU football here. How you doing, Shreyas? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah. How you doing? Good, so, good. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you're with the Kansas City Star, uh, venerable paper up in the uh, Kansas City area. Uh, I've actually known a few guys uh, that worked there back in the day. Uh, Mike DeArmond is a longtime guy. Gabe is his uh, son, a friend of mine as well. Jeremy Crabtree used to work up there uh, for the Star as well as just a host of others. Terrific paper. Hey, uh, Shreyas, uh, you heard us talking a little yeah, bit yeah. about the O-line and the D-line for Kansas. Let's start there. What is your assessment of them uh, at, as of right now? Yeah, so a couple of things. Uh, you guys talked about the size difference. I will say Kansas has done a tremendous job of getting a lot bigger. Um, they've really, you know, kind of done a big thing the last couple of off-seasons of you know, having a goal weight, the average weight across the board is much higher and near the top end of the Big 12 when it was bottom of the Big 12 before Leipold came along. Um, so you can see that on the field. The O-line is such a big tool for the running game, and the defensive line has been much better than anticipated. I really didn't know who was going to be the guy to get and pressure the quarterback, but what they've been doing is rotating a lot of the guys on the D-line, like 12 different guys will pay, play, they brought in a great transfer in Austin Booker, um, you know, Gage Keys. These guys have done a tremendous job of getting pressure to the quarterback. Um, you know, they wreck havoc. They play fast, uh, both lines. One of the things the defense the guys have told me is they play super fast in, in practice because it's a way that they kind of look at it. It's like, okay, we can create some kind of pressure against them. Um, and it's led to the number one havoc rating in the country, which is, you know, Fumbles, batted down balls, interceptions, et cetera, uh, all kind of mixed in. Um, and and to me, the defensive line being as good as it has been, you know, in the quarterback and, you know, stopping the run game last game, you know, we're looking at a Kansas team that it seems like every other game on the defensive end is doing stuff they haven't done in like 10, 15 years. Uh, you know, in Illinois, they got six sacks. Uh, in the last game, they led, uh, they only let BYU rush for nine yards in 22 attempts you know so they they they've gotten a lot better um you know the defense has taken a tremendous step up i think from last year which was ranked 127th overall in the nation i don't know if it's a top 50 defense but a top 60 top 70 defense is much better than what kansas was at last year um 
And, you know, it, it's going to be really interesting because, you know, Texas has some big old boys. And uh, as, as a Georgia grad, you know, I'm, I'm scouting the competition a year <laughs> early. So, <laughs> uh, but it, it's going to be fun. I think it'll be a fun matchup. And, uh, you know, the O-line, especially for Kansas, is going to be such a big thing because I think uh, it'll, it'll really come down to if Kansas can establish the run game, keep the, the ball out of Quinn's hands, and really bleed some clock because, you know, that's the only way I think Kansas is going to kind of come out on top in this game. Hey, talk about a little bit about the uh, Kansas fan base right now in football, right? I mean, obviously everybody knows the rich history in basketball. You cover that as well. Um, uh, sorry, sorry about having to cover Arturio Morris. I had to do that last year. Um, but <laughs> you didn't have to do it as long. Um, but uh, but uh, what about the Kansas fan base? Pretty energized on the, on the football side right now, right? There's a belief in Leipold, what he's doing in this team and this program. Yeah, I mean, I guess the quick thing or Terry thing is I was the one who broke the whole story on that. I, know, I saw that. Very chaotic. But uh, I guess, you know, it, it's excitement, you know. Like, I think there's a real feel around this program and excitement that, you know, it's not even last year. Like, that's the big thing is this entire team has preached himself no complacency. Last year wasn't good enough. And it's kind of gone into the fan base. I've been a big proponent of Kansas going – you know, I've, I've been higher than I think any other local media. I think nine and three. I predicted that before the season. A lot of guys were like, what are you talking about? But my belief goes down to Lance Leipold and, and Jalen Daniels. You know, that caliber of quarterback for Kansas, they haven't had a guy that good since Todd Reesing. And Lance Leipold is a tremendous head coach. And I think the fan base has been excited about that. I know they're cautiously, cautiously optimistic coming into the season. They're like, we're thinking at least seven, maybe eight. But with the way the season has shaked out so far, I think it's exceeded my expectations of how good they've looked. They could look even better, I think, because Jalen hasn't really been unleashed, I think, to the level he was last year. Um, and he missed game one, obviously, so he's still kind of, you know, not – I think he's 100%, but the back issue thing was there for the first few games. Um, and I think the fan base is just excited that they're having a team that looks like a perennial bowl contender. You know, like they didn't have that. For 14 years right and for how bad like the the conference was or for how bad kansas was in the big 12 relatively like i don't know if you guys saw there a couple days ago uh there was something that came out where they showed like the last 162 games or whatever of all the conferences and if you look at the bottom of every conference you know you see the usual suspects vanderbilt you know colorado etc they're at 60 they're at 70 you know they're at 55 wins and then you see kansas at 36 it was a distant, distant last, uh, you know, in the Big 12 and just all the conferences as a whole. So I think the fan base is just excited that they have something to root for. And Lance is a great coach. Jalen's a quarterback that can probably play on Sundays. And the running back core between Highstraw and Devin Neal, one of those guys is probably going to get drafted. Yep, they they have the tools on offense. There, there is no, no doubt about it. Um uh -oh. <laughs> I think Bob, Bobby kind of froze up there. Um, uh, that's a first. Um, <laughs> uh, right, so uh, let me ask you this. Give Texas fans two or three na names on defense for Kansas. Logan's really good at safety. Uh, mm -hmm. I covered him a little bit in St. Aug uh, coming out of Florida. He was very talented coming out of high school. Give You mentioned Gage Keys, which Leipold mentioned in his Monday press conference, which kind of – that one kind of stuck with me. 
Who are two or three defensive players for Kansas that Texas fans may not be familiar with? I think they know the name Kobe Bryant now. Yeah, yeah. He almost took a life Saturday there, uh, the, the, the uh, BYU uh, receiver. But who are two or three names for Texas fans to know? Yeah, uh, Jerome Robinson, homegrown talent. He's done a tremendous job of getting the quarterback. Um, like Austin Booker, like I mentioned, uh, he's been very good. He already has three and a half sacks this year, and he missed a half because of targeting. Um, another big one is uh, I'm blanking. Uh, you know, the honestly, this defensive line, you know, is uh, uh, is just so so good um, and better than expected. Another transfer. Uh, in Devin Phillips from Colorado State, he's been a mainstay, really, really good against the run. He hasn't pressured the quarterback as much, but he's been really good at stopping the run, and he's been tremendous. And he's just – he was uh, – I think pretty much he played every – he started every game at Colorado State except one in his career. Um, so he's he's been really good for the defensive line. Hayden Hatcher is another name on the de- uh, defensive end uh, who's been tremendous. Those couple of guys, I think, can some, wreck some havoc and – and I think those are the guys that can be very good. Um, Jason Gilliam's another guy. Um, but I think those names are, are the ones to watch out for if you're a Texas fan. <laughs> I, I sorry about that, Shreyas. That was my fault. I think my computer uh glitched on me or something. I don't I don't know exactly what uh you had to say there, but um uh, other other aspects of this game that you think are important for both KU and Texas. Well, I mean, I think for Kansas, they got to be better at not committing as many penalties. Like I, I wrote about it on Monday, but they've struggled with that the last two games. You know, they lost 75 yards of penalties last game. Then it was like 50 something in, in the Nevada game. Um, you can't do that against this Texas team. It's just too good. Right. And and I think it's one of those things where I look at Texas holistically and and I'm sure you guys have said it, but. This is the best Texas team I've seen in my lifetime, or at least in a long time since I was a kid, at least. Okay. So this is probably the best Kansas team they've had since 2007. No so doubt. I, you know, like if Kansas is as good as they are, you know, they still have to be near perfect, I think, to beat this Texas team. And they have not put together four quarters of football that I've seen that I can say they can confidently do that. I mean, maybe it happens, but it, it feels like. The four games that they played, they either turn it on in the second half, which happened in three different games, and the Illinois game, they came out to in a boat race to a big lead. So Kansas has to play four quarters of football. They got to limit turnovers. Uh, so you know they've had some issues with fumbles with the running back core. Uh, they got to make sure they can't you know fumble the ball. Uh, they can't do penalties. Um, you know to the level they were at the last couple of games. Uh, I think it's going to be big if they control the clock. You want to keep it away from Sarkeesian and Co. Because, you know, they're going to probably get back whatever Kansas does in six, seven minutes and a lot quicker just because of how uh, great he is offensively that uh, at commanding that offense. Um, and, I mean, arguably, I think the Kansas key to success is keeping the ball out of uh, Quinn's hands. I, I really believe if Kansas wins the game, it's going to come down to Kansas' defense not being on the field uh, as much as possible. I've got one last thing I want to say. Uh, I think it's going to come down to red zone execution by KU in Texas. Um, yeah. I think both these offenses are going to move, find ways to move the ball. <laughs> it's going to be the people that get the seven points instead of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jalen Daniels uh, certainly brings an extra element to defend in the red zone uh, because of his ability to run or rush or run the ball. Uh, so that's something for Texas fans to keep uh, an eye on. I have another question. 
Are people up there surprised by the point spread in this game? I, mean, I think a, a little, but it's also like they see how good Texas is. I think the, the, the Texas win against Alabama really put them nationally. Everyone was like, oh, crap. Like, Texas Texas is good this year. It's not just smoke we're blowing where they're, you know, Texas is back. You know, and, and God knows, I know, I've heard Texas is back since I was a student at Georgia, you know, three years ago. So, you know, back since my freshman year of 2016. So, you know, maybe Texas is back. I don't know. Um, we'll find out, I guess, Saturday. But I think they, they kind of are, you know, my my viewpoint is I think Kansas will do a good job of covering the spread because it's a big spread, 17 and a half or whatever. I don't know if they'll win the game. I, I can't confidently say they'll win the game. I wouldn't be surprised. And if they win the game, then we got to bring out the duck boats in Lawrence because who's winning the Big 12 after that? You know, if you can beat Texas, you can beat anybody else in the conference. Um, but I, I think it's... It's, it's a spread that I think it, it shows in the respect that Texas has earned uh, this far, so far in this season. All right, Shreyas. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We definitely appreciate it. And don't forget, you can check out Shreyas' work over at the Kansas City Star. And, uh, yeah, thank you again for coming on. Thanks Great for having job, me. Man. Appreciate it, Shreyas. Sorry about the technical issue there. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good day. You too. People, I think people thought I was having a stroke in mid <laughs> Uh Yeah. By the way, he was great. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I was actually just mad about Gail Sayers being <laughs> mentioned as good. Yeah, some of the comments are killing me when that happened, when, when you had your technical difficulties. So you'll have to go back and read them when you have a little time. All right, guys. Well, let's let's move on here. Um, we of course we got tons of questions about Kansas, so let's just start there. And here we go. Daniel Kinneman says, "Is the best comparison for Jalen Daniels a Sam Ellinger or a poor man's Tim Tebow?" Not Tebow at all. Much better Tebow. thrower. Oh, and Tebow, different body type. J- Jalen Daniels, and he's different from Sam. Jalen Daniels is. This is the way I, – I, I don't know about a player comparison. I need to think about this. But this is the way he is as a runner. He's more like a running back from a vision standpoint. He's not a guy that's going to go jet around the corner and scare you to death like Jalen Milrow. That's not what he is. He's more of a guy that reads blocks. He's got patience. He'll line you up. He'll set you up kind of like a running back with vision and instincts. Uh, that's kind of what he is to me. So whatever player you want to say that's his size, Michael Bishop, no. Michael Bishop, again, was had a cannon for an arm and was extremely strong. I think Jalen Daniels is more of a shifty runner. Not that he doesn't have strength, but I think he's he, what his strength is as a runner is he's shifty and he reads things he sets up. He sets things up like a running back. I think he's uh... – to put it in uh, layman's terms, I think he's Casey Thompson with Moxie, um, <laughs> and an offense that fits his particular skill set. So that's that's whereas Casey Thompson was not a drop back quarterback, et cetera. That's you know, and Thompson just tended to have a, a bad player here or there. Jalen Daniels is a, is very consistent and typically stays within his lane of what he can do well. I really, I mean, I really like the guy as a college player. Somebody said a bigger Greg Ward from U of H. That that's she's not bad. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. He's a little quicker than Greg Ward, I think. Yeah. Oh, we have a super chat here from Clifton Hines. He says, "Guys, let's get off the Kansas Kool Aid. Uh, 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 Texas is going to cover." 
Thank you, Clifton, for the super chat. <laughs> this is my Kool-Aid. It's called caffeine. <laughs> and then we got another super chat. If I can scroll down quick enough, there's so many comments. Uh, Fresh Prince 512, or 512 says, good guess, but he made my worry meter go up. Kansas sounds like a scrappy bunch like their head coach. We cannot start slow on offense. I completely agree. And their coach is a terrific coach, guys. He's won at all levels. Uh, you don't, I, we talked about this yesterday with Tom Luganville. We've seen guys like Chris Kleiman come in and do really well in the Big 12, the, the former FCS coach. Well, guess what? That, you know, our, our guy, Lance Leopold, won national championships at Wisconsin Whitewater. Then he goes to, uh, then he goes to Buffalo, the perennial, I think he took over an 0 and 12 team and then within two years had him in a bowl game. Three years he had him in a bowl game. He is a program builder. He knows what he's doing. He has a good coaching staff that has had a lot of continuity. And you know what? KU is a scrappy bunch led by their quarterback. Derek Neal is a scrappy running back. Um, I, I think they're just a scrappy team that's got a lot of experience. Um, and you saw what they did against Arkansas in the bowl game. I mean, they came back with, was it, 38-3 to three or something at one point, or 38-10 to 10 at one point, and they took it to overtime? Um They'll, they won't say die. You get up by 21 points, they're not going to give up. So Texas can't go. Not only do they need to start fast, uh, they, they can't go in the deep freeze on offense at any point in time either. Uh, otherwise, KU will make them pay there. So yeah, you should be worried a little bit. Uh, Texas is favored by 17 for a reason. I think the primary reason uh, that Texas is, is favored is the defensive front for Texas is just different than any that – Kansas has seen thus far. And so how does that affect their run game, their play action pass? Uh, that is the biggest piece of this. I think I think another piece to it is um, maybe what Dave Aranda said last week in his press conference. Look, Utah's a pretty good team, and Baylor had them down. Baylor was never a threat to beat Texas last week in, the same, in, in Waco. Right? Baylor was never a threat to beat Texas in Waco. I, so I think maybe people I, – I think Texas is a really good football team because Utah's ranked, what, about 10-12? I, I don't know. Um, playing without their starting quarterback, obviously. Beat UCLA last week. Beat Florida. And Baylor was ahead of them in the fourth quarter. Baylor never had a chance after that ball was kicked Saturday against Texas. So I think that probably plays into it. And that tells – and I think that maybe to Sheree's point is uh, that's – kind of how good people think Texas is right now. But you got to go out and do it. The, the one thing I'll say about this game is I, I I could see Texas covering that spread. I could see it being a close game. Until Texas plays as well at home as they have on the road, then I'm still going to say, okay, I want to see it. If Texas plays as well home Saturday as they have in their two road games, I, Texas, is, Texas is two touchdowns better. All right, we have another super chat, guys, and it's from Colton. More of a comment. He says, it's a small donation, but this oh. will go toward upgrading Bobby from dial-up internet. I thought maybe it was just the ghost that was messing with your lights earlier, but. Uh, there there was that. I think it may have been a whole power surge in my my house is what, what happened there, Blake. And that's that's what made the lights twinkle and my my uh, my uh, internet go out. So we'll we'll see. That was weird. <laughs> thank you for the thank you for the uh, donation though uh, i do not have aol uh, by the way i, I i'll let y'all know 
<laughs> There's no screeching sound when I turn on the computer. Uh, hey, bring up Kyle Voschka's question at 843. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, here we go. Jerry, what's the D-lineman's name from, yeah. I pronounce that, in Melbourne? O'Galley High in Melbourne. I was there last week. Brandon Brown is his name. He is one of the most underrated 2025 prospects in America. Um, I think he's around 236 in the on-three industry ranking right now, which is, uh, I don't know, 200 spots too low, maybe more. Um, look, this guy's a tremendous talent. Brandon Brown, He's uh, he may only be 6'1 and three quarters, He's 283 right now, uh, but he has an explosive ability that you don't see much uh, in, in my years doing this. I mean, he's one of those level guys. He's that level talent. Um, there's a, you know, going down there last week. I mean, I think Texas will be by during their off week, which is after the OU game. Uh, Texas is all in on Brandon Brown. It, look, he's, he has uncle, cousin, I guess, cousin and maybe uncle that played at Florida. Uh, Miami's all in on him. Larry Johnson, Ohio State's all in on him, called him one of the best players in America uh, uh, to the head coach down there, O'Galley, last week. Um, Notre Dame, everybody's coming in on this guy. Um, but Texas, Texas A&M's in it too. Oklahoma's going to be in it. Uh, but Texas is, is going to be all in on Brandon Brown. He is an elite talent at the defensive line position. Well, while we're talking about recruiting, let's take a couple of those questions because we really haven't so far. Uh, from E. Kim, he says, Jerry, D.K. Moore and K.J. Lacey, will they be in attendance for Oklahoma? I think I think it's a maybe. Um, I think it's a maybe uh, for K.J. Lacey. We'll see. Um, I, uh, Texas is going to be down to see him that next week. Uh, Harlem Berry, I think, is a maybe, the running back from New Orleans. I think Texas, I think Texas is, for the first time, you know, there's been some years Texas has – they've invited kids to the game. I think they're trying to get more kids from farther away to this game. I, I, I think there's a realization of by Steve Sarkeesian and the staff that, okay, it's this game's setting up to be a college game day type of game. The atmosphere is going to be incredible. Um, it, it, what better game to bring a kid to than Texas OU? I mean, and I, I really, you want guys at your home game, uh, but man, Bobby, you, you guys know that you, Blake, you've been to the game. If you can get recruits to that game and you're the host team, you don't have to have them down on the field and going through the whole deal like you do at DKR to blow kids away in this environment. And then he follows that up with uh, this question How many visitors can Texas have for the OU game? As many as they want. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you ever technically fill that section. Um, but, uh, you know, th I think they could, that they could have as many as they want. But the key there is it's recruiting family. 
And then one more real quick. Billy Phelps says, chances of getting JJA and Justin Williams on campus. He's talking about the Oak Ridge guys. I mean, look, Georgia's uh, pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's get back to Kansas because we still have tons of questions about them. We're going to go to the super chat here from Antonio Harris. He says, after watching Kansas the whole week, if we run and show how powerful we are, it's over. Hit them in the mouth early, hook them. I agree with that. You want to know, you want to take the life out of somebody, run the football on them to where they can't can't quit. That's what happened last year. It wasn't really Quinn Ewers through the air. It was B. John Robinson making Quinn Ewers put his hands on his head, on his helmet. You know what I mean? You do that, you take the life out of somebody, and then they know they can't necessarily come back because it's one thing to complete passes and move the ball down the field with electric plays like that. It's another thing if you are more methodical in the run game, if you're Texas. It takes the life out of you. Jalen Daniels and that offense then knows they have another level of increased pressure. So I, I, Antonio, you and I on the same page, buddy. (laughs) All right. And then this question here from the Commodian. Does Kansas have the depth to keep up that pace in the Texas sun with it being a 230 kick? I thought it was interesting that Shreyas, just uh, the Kansas City star that we just had on, talked about how many, how many D linemen they're rotating, Jerry. Yeah. And that's a good sign for a, a young team or for a team like Kansas uh, in that situation, uh, Blake. I will say that uh, at a 2.30 kick, they're going to be in the sunlight. <laughs> Texas will be in the shade. Uh, so, or start to be in the shade about an hour later. It's going to be hot uh, on Saturday uh, Kansas already, I think, in the 70s and 80s at night. Um, so, look, I, I can't say what it what it will mean, but I think the weather and the crowd will have an effect on this game. Okay, now we have a question here uh, from Hua Hen Golfer, and he says, "Can we be giving Kansas offense some undue credit? After all, it beat BYU by 11, but their defense scored 14 of those points." Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think it's possible for me because look, they have not played a good schedule. Um, if you if you look at their non-conference schedule, I think it's ranked 95th. Texas may be ranked top three right now. So Kansas has not played the schedule Texas has um, to this point. Um, and yeah, I, I I'm I'm not sure I disagree there. I think Kansas. I think what gives Kansas. I think what Kansas. Why they'll give Texas some issues is the multiplicity that they have offensively. And Texas is going to see some things that they haven't seen this year. And it's going to, you know, does it cause them a quarter to settle in is going to be my big thing with this game is, look, Texas has better personnel. They have faster football players. I think about every position. Um, Texas is a more talented team. It'll show in the NFL draft by a good margin. But where Kansas, where these Kansas has a chance is if, if they, if they, if their script goes to plan, and it takes Texas a while to adjust to op- playing option football. Um, some of the things they're going to see, uh, maybe a, a running back like Neil with a quarterback that can also run the ball. You know, they can have get to the edge with a running back and a quarterback that can kind of weave his way through traffic inside. I think it can give Texas some things that they've got to get accustomed to that you can't necessarily prepare for. You can try, but you have to go do it in the game uh, for the first time this year. Uh, so, I, look, I think Texas is a better team. They have more talent. 
I, I would say this um, as an addendum. The one of the things that that uh, Shreyas mentioned uh, that Steve Sarkeesian also likes to do for Texas is the amount of window dressing Lance Leipold and Steve Sarkeesian put on their offense. Yeah. Ignore all of that, get lined up, and go play football. They will use multiple tight ends, multiple formations, et cetera, to try to gain any kind of schematic advantage and or trick the other team about what they want to do, right? Or keep them guessing. Texas and Kansas both have to play straight up and let the game come to them a little bit, right? Uh, that takes a little bit of the uh, – go factor away from the defense. Right. And so I, I, I'm look, I, I like, I, I like what Kansas is doing. I just don't know uh, what's going to happen. The one thing that Ian Boyd mentioned last night, Jerry, that I know you and I agree on, don't be surprised if Kansas scores 10 points in its first two possessions because of a script and they found something in the Texas defense. They think they can exploit. We'll see how it goes, but um, that, that's something to, to be watching. Uh, this next question is from Ted Pair one He says, score two touchdowns on them, make them throw, pick off Jalen Daniels on his long release. Your thoughts? I think if you can get Jalen Daniels into passing situations and you've studied the film, I think he's a good player. But I do think he has one of the longer releases I've seen. Um, he has a quick arm doing it. But if you really study him, um, you, you're going to have chances to make plays on the football unless your coverage is bad. And if Texas coverage is bad, Tether, they could lose. But if, they, if, they, if they're attached enough, they will have opportunities because it takes him two split seconds longer from what he sees with his eyes to get that ball in the air and release because of that long windup. And that does give Texas athletes opportunities. And then on that note, Fresh 6473 says, do you think Jalen Daniels is the, <laughs> I didn't even finish it. What round do y'all see him going in when that time comes? We'll, we'll ask that instead. Yeah, I, I don't even know on that because look, he's, he's a hell of a college player. Um, is he Jalen Hurts? No, no. So then that, that, that kind of tells you something right there. I was waiting for Bobby's answer on that. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't think he's draftable. That that's it's, so somebody saying he's not a great college player. Tommy Frazier wasn't right. drafted either. So, so and that's why I threw out the Greg Ward right earlier. A, a a bigger version of Greg Ward, maybe that may be pretty accurate. Whoever said that. All right, and then we have a uh, question here from Clifton Hines, and he says, "We know Daniels is a better passer than Milrow, but who's a better runner? Milrow's a more explosive runner. I don't know if he's a better football." instinctive runner than Daniels. I think Daniels is like a running back with his vision. I think he could set up the linebacker. I think he can do some things with his vision. I think Jalen Murrow scares the pee out of you because if he gets around the edge and he gets to your corner, he's going 75 on you. But I think Jalen Daniels is actually a better runner as far as a football player. More functional. Yeah. More functional. Um, and so he buys more time in the pocket with what he does. Um, he doesn't always – when he when he starts getting out of the pocket, he's not putting the ball under his arm, definitely running. He's still got his eyes downfield. And they will make some plays that way. Yes, yes, he's easy – yes, Daniels is easier to tackle. He may be more difficult to corral. That, that may be the issue. 
All right, Connor Vaughn, he says the Texas D or special teams is due for a touchdown. Do y'all think it happens this weekend? Man, it's getting greedy with Texas D, haven't they? They've got a couple. Um, special <laughs> teams, I thought Texas was going to score on special teams this year. The interesting thing, they just they haven't really had to go after punch yet. They haven't had to show everything they have. Um, you know, Worthy's been close on a punt return. I actually think this will be a motivational game for Worthy this week in the punt return game, but that also means he can't be overly aggressive. Um, I've thought all year Texas would bust a kickoff return. I mean, you don't get many opportunities anymore. Um, but I just thought they were close at the end of the year. Um are they going to get special teams TD Saturday? If they do, it's, 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 it's a good sign. It's a good day. All right. Well, let's talk about the Texas side for a little bit. Russell Hinkle says Kansas has struggled covering tight ends so far this season. Do you all see this being a big game for Sanders and or Helms? Potentially. Yes. Uh, that, that would be one of the hopes. Uh, I, I will say this, uh, Kansas, they need to cheat sometimes to get guys in the box. They have to cheat in coverage a little bit. And the tight end is one of those te- guys that can't necessarily always beat you for six down the field. And so they get more one-on-one coverage with a linebacker. Okay. Um, and so, yes, that's what you're looking for. Um, I don't think it's any, uh, I don't necessarily think it's a mistake or uh happenstance that Jatavian Sanders had a big game the week before they play Kansas. I I think Texas knows Sark Sark is is a, a bright offensive mind. I'm not saying he's thinking three steps ahead of everybody or anything like this, but making people accountable for JT Sanders and then making them accountable for Gunnar Helm at the same time when he comes in the game, that 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 makes me think that if I'm if I'm playing against Texas, I'm thinking, God, I'm going to have to play zone. And if they play zone, they're going to they're going to try to run the ball down your throat. So just keep that in mind. I think I'm running the ball down your throat. Corey Peacock says, does Baxter play, or do they limit his place for next week? No, nah, I think the more he the they want to get him more game action, more game action. Um, they want to build this one-two punch at running back. They want to make sure. Look, they want to have the right load on both of these backs the one thing they don't want to do is have Jonathan Brooks carrying it 20 22 times against big 12 opponents the whole season they need Baxter and Brooks to share this position share this load I actually think the running backs are going to have a big day in the passing game Saturday against Kansas and then we'll follow that Baxter question up with this one from Woody Margosowitz. And he says, why are you guys so big on Baxter? He looks a year away to me. Not explosive for a five-star. Needs a year on weights. Yeah, I just disagree. Against Rice. I, I just disagree. I mean, look, he um, the run where he got hurt, he was explosive for 6'1", 220. I don't, I don't know what people are, how explosive they're supposed to be. There's only one Adrian Peterson. I mean, um, no, I, I think he's. I, I think here's the thing, and I've said this about Cedric Baxter out of high school. I'll say this about him now. Um, he don't don't be fooled by a running back's patience by having lack of explosiveness. He's a patient, physical runner, and he's always going to have. It's going to be patience first with him. It's kind of what makes him really good. It's what allows him to see that backside vision, that backside cut so well. Is he is patient. 
He's quicker than fast as far as in a combine, but he's explosive enough for his for his size. But as far as his look physically, I said this coming out of high school. He's a your typical Florida public school guy. It's not set up for these guys to be to be chiseled and close to maximized physically coming out of high school. Cedric Baxter this year for what uh, he's going to look a totally different next year than he does this year. Um, but he's, he's explosive enough. I'll say that. All right. This next one here is uh, from chance. And he says, could Texas flip what teams have been doing to them and grind with the ground game to keep the ball from the Kansas offense? Yeah, they did it last year. Against Kansas. I mean, of course they can. I don't think that Texas necessarily – look, I think Texas is pretty confident in its defense. Texas wants to put points on the board. And they need to put – in this game, they need to put touchdowns, not field goals. That's really the big piece uh, to this game for Texas. Um, it's not going to be a field goal battle that wins this, in my opinion. Uh, so, I, I'm – I'm pretty strong on this uh, for the Longhorns. Uh, they've got to, uh, they've got to get the ball and run, be able to run the ball against Kansas to set up the pass, or start off with the, the quick game and get it going to spread them out a little bit. I'm interested to see what Steve Sarkeesian's first 10 to 15 play calls are against KU because KU is going to try to do something different uh, to, to switch things up. So uh, the first quarter of this game is going to be extremely interesting to me on both offense and defense, because I do think you're looking at two of the top three uh, head coaches in the big 12 right now uh, from a scheme perspective. That's what you're looking at on both sides of the ball. All right, let's do a couple more offense questions and we'll flip over to the defense. UT boy says that Jonte finally find the end zone in this game. I, I look, I doubt it. I mean, he hasn't found it yet. Uh, that doesn't mean that he didn't make an impact. Uh, I was uh, watching the Sark rewind yesterday, uh, or yes, uh, and he third for third and fifteen. He just goes straight up the route, straight up the seam on a uh, go route. Uh, Quinn located him perfectly. They're going to use him in that kind of role this year. It looks like as long as uh, Xavier Worthy, Ad Mitchell, and Jordan Whittington stay healthy, they're going to use him in that role of big play get people's attention uh, and go elsewhere, that sort of role. So not sure if he finds the end zone. Uh, he, he, if he wouldn't have stumbled, he may have found it on that big, big throw from Quinn though. Hey, hey, we would, somebody just threw in a, maybe a great comp for Jalen Daniels, James Brown. Long release, not explosive runner, just that gamer type of guy. It's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. I like him a lot. All right, we're going to do one more about the offense, and it's from Woody again. He says, why can't Cam Williams get on the field? Christian Jones. Playing at a high level. That's why. Well, who's he gonna, he's not going to take over for Kelvin Banks. So it it's obviously um, Christian Jones. And Christian Jones, I don't know if you saw that a couple of plays, but he is just – I mean, he's playing to the whistle. I mean, he's clearly playing for an NFL paycheck. That's what he's trying to do right now. He's trying to go from a seventh seventh round undrafted free agent to fourth, fifth round guy. That's what he's trying to do. Bebo Lorian agrees with you. All right. 
And then this question right here from Jackson Kelso, guys, he says, do you think the players care whether or not they are starting right now with how much Texas is subbing in during the game? Um, I think the competitive side of you always cares, but I think, look, I I said this about the running back position starting the year. I I think there was a little chess with that as well. Um, Center backs are starting as a true freshman coming from Orlando, Florida is a good thing. Um, Jonathan Brooks coming on the field after defense maybe already has a series, maybe seven plays on a drive, I think it's a good thing. I think that's what is great about having depth um, is that you can bring in your fresh player and the team you're playing may not be as fresh. Um, so I, I I think there's some things that go on with that um, as well, and I, and I don't think it's a bad thing um, at all. Uh, but the, the guys care from a competitive standpoint, but at the end of the day, guys just want to play as well. So look, I mean, it all depends on a player's mindset. I, I, I hate to go back to this one, but Roshan Johnson and Jabari Rice didn't give a damn. But they, what they did want to be is on the field when it mattered and how they could impact winning. And if you have enough of those guys, it doesn't matter. Great point. All right, Steve Sedaris, guys. He says, are Murphy and Sweat close to making All-American? Are they both no-brainer, all Big 12? And where would you rank them as a tandem in the country? That's tough. I mean, it, it's – it's it, it, so much of this is going to come down to how, how many games you win throughout the season for the All-American stuff. Um, look, Texas goes 12-1 and one, wins the Big 12. They're going to have probably two or three guys on All-American list. Right, Bobby? I mean, that's the – nature of it um defensive line wise i mean i would have to really take a look at that i mean look jerzon newton is a stud at illinois but illinois is not a very good team is he looked at like he's so good it doesn't matter maybe um what what happens with jeremiah trotter this year because he was the preseason all-american and i I know you asked about d-line but i'm just pointing out how the seasons affect things Jeremiah Trotter was taking every linebacker award preseason. Clemson's going to have, it looks like, three, four, or five losses this year. They're already out of the college football playoff picture. Does that affect him and help Jalen Ford if Texas goes on and wins a big I think it does. Yeah. Of course. So if Texas goes 12-1 and and wins the big 12, Murphy or Sweat, I don't know if they're going to be first team, but they're going to be on some teams. The problem they have right now is they're taking each other's uh, – you know, one of them makes a play, then the other makes a play. So usually it's one player is definitely the guy. They they take away from each other a little bit right now. And they're not necessarily playing as many snaps well, as other guys say, would either. I was going to say the depth, right? Nobody's – they're not as good, but nobody's putting up Casey Hampton numbers. <laughs> right. Where he's numbers. playing 60 snaps a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, we need to say thanks to Adam Lowy and want to say thanks to him. He's uh, the sponsor of the Coffee and Football for Wednesday mornings. Uh, Adam and his law firm have been helping injured Texans for dec- decades. Uh, if you've been injured on the job or in a catastrophic uh, car accident, give Adam and his group a, a, a ring uh, for a free consultation. That's right. Totally free. You call them. They tell you what's up. Uh, go to LoweyLawFirm.com. That's Lowy lawfirm.com visit them there today uh, if you've been in a wreck or injured on the job i also want to say thank you guys a lot of people have mentioned this or a couple of people have mentioned the shirt that i'm wearing and geared up uh this uh, this comes from jeff clark the guy over at 40 acres apparel 
they are offered at the co-op. I got this uh, last last Friday when I was at the co-op. I'll, I'll be in. I'll be there again this weekend. Rod will be there. He told me. Uh, by the way, even though he has a baby uh, now uh, in uh, in uh, tow, going home today uh, from the hospital. So congratulations to Rod. You just have to elbow him to keep him away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's gonna have he's gonna have sleep deprivation. Rod, Rod normally has all the energy. I think he may be a little less on the energy. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, guys, we got time for a few more questions here. So let's take another defense one. Russell Hinkle says, when do you all think Derek Williams will take over the starting safety job? Next year. Yes. Unless uh, unless there's injury this year, next year. Jerry and I talked about that last night. It yeah. just it sets up well for him next year, right? Because you think Catalan and Thompson are gone. You know he's the most talented safety back there, most likely. Um. I think that's what you see. I think you see him next year be a starter. Trey Day has actually an interesting super chat question. It just popped in. Yeah. Trey Day with super chat says Sark loves to rotate players at every position except wide receiver. Is he going to have to adjust that going forward in the age of the transfer portal? And thank you for the super chat, Trey. That's an interesting question, Bobby. Yeah. I, I think it's possible. I do too. I mean, there's there, and the other issue that we're seeing is that there's fewer snaps. That's the that's the big one for me. Hey, Blake, could we find maybe? I I don't I don't have time to I haven't had time to do it. What we're now that we're four games into the season, what's the difference in snaps per game per team? I, I'd be interested to see what that is. I haven't seen a stat on that, uh, but I also haven't looked it up. But I, I'm guessing it's rolling about that same number, guys. I bet it's a possession a game, a game, five to six plays a game that you're losing over the course of a season. That's 70 plays. I, I want to say this. It may be more than that. Could and be. here's why. I mean, Texas in the last two games against Wyoming, they had 54 snaps. Yeah, 52. I can't remember. 52. All right. Against Baylor, they had 59. That's two of the lowest five in Sark's tenure. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and so – and we know they didn't exactly – Overpossess the ball against against Rice and Bama. Um, I, I think that it could be an issue, uh, but I will also say that the fact that he doesn't rotate them heavily during the game also means that the guys that he does get, if they're good, they're going to get showcased. Yeah, and ultimately, that's what guys like Jonte Cook want, right? So while he may be a backup in year one, he probably not going to be a backup in year two, and that's when. He's going to have the thousand yard season, or he's going to catch the big ball uh, down the field like Xavier Worthy and AD Mitchell have been doing. I was that game like Alabama. So, um, Harold Hennigan here. I was actually reading exactly what he's reading. This is from a couple of weeks ago, Jerry. So it's not through four games; it's through the first two or three weeks. Sixty six point nine plays per game in 2023 the average was 68.7 last year so it says each team is only running about two less plays per game yeah. again that's through only the first two to three weeks and week zero yeah. through week two yeah yeah it, so. it, 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 one of the things it may come down to how teams play against you that may be that may be a big part of it you know if you're if you're in the uh, if if it's spread on spread team, right? Those teams are going to have high. They're still going to run a lot of plays. If you're a really good team and people are going to try to uh, choke the clock on you, you may have a be at more of a disadvantage with that new clock rule. 
All right, we got time for just a couple more questions, guys. Nick Ramos says, will Sark have to adjust his play call style to complement his defense? At a certain point, the defense will get tired regardless of it if, if, of if the O is scoring, right? Depends how <laughs> depends whether or not they get off the field earlier in the game. The one thing that's interesting, the only, you know, the team that really squeezed them last year was Texas Tech, right? Uh, almost ran 100 plays against Texas, I think. Um, Texas seems to have more depth now, though, right? Even than last year, and they lost two guys to the NFL on the defensive line and Keandre Coburn and Moro Jomo, as well as a linebacker in DeMarvian Overshone. I don't know that they're going to get, quote, as tired. Uh, you know, they they may have 20 to 25 guys right now really contributing on defense. That's a two deep that is really playing. Yeah. That, that's, you know, that's that's just crazy. I, mean, I, I don't know how else to tell you guys that, that when, when you have a guy like Travis Hunter out there playing every snap on both sides of the ball for another team, uh, out of necessity as well as just how good he is, uh, you know, I don't I don't know, Nick. Um, I, I don't know that he has to as long as he's putting more points up on the board. He didn't do it at Alabama, you know, and it seemed to work there. Yeah. So, I would I would be hesitant to say that he has to change. Uh, then we have a super chat here, guys, from UT Boy. And he says, Bobby, I'm not coming in this weekend. <laughs> Tell Rod I'm happy for him. Thank you. And thank I you will do, UT, UT Boy. Uh, I can't wait to talk to Rod. He's going to be on the live. He wants to be on the live stream tonight, guys, by the way. <laughs> so uh, he's going to be on tonight. I think uh, Justin Wells. Uh, uh, also, uh, we've got uh, Ray Peters hosting. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll have that, and uh, Rod will be back. You guys can uh, join in tonight around 7 o'clock and tell him congratulations yourselves. Okay, we'll do about two more questions here, and I, if I can find it. Oh, I had it just a second ago. Bear with me. Um, oh, right here from Jose Rodriguez. Jerry, this one's for you. Yeah. He says, who are the top five guys in 2025 that you're keeping an eye on? Um, well, KJ Lacey, always, um, your quarterback commitment, um, not saying he's flipping or anything, but Hey, Alabama, Auburn, they don't, they, those teams, they don't give up. Um, decorian Moore, obviously, uh, wide receiver at Duncanville. I don't really consider Ryan Williams that he's trying to reclass to 24, but I think that's a tough one anyways, at this point, um, decorian Moore, obviously Zion Williams, defensive lineman at Lufkin for me. I think he's the big time guy that, Next big time guy to Lufkin High, uh, top D lineman at a position in state where there's more depth this year. Michael Fasusi, offensive tackle in Louisville, I think is a extremely, extremely high end pass protector at offensive tackle. I mean, he's got rare quickness, very rare quickness, plus length at that position uh, for him. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, um, outside of that, um, probably, you know, look. It, Flip a coin between Jordan Davis and Harlan Berry. Because Tashard Choice hasn't gone over on guys he wants at running back. What about the linebacker down at Ball High, Jerry? Jonah Williams, I think he's a, I think he's a uh, he's an upside guy. He's got to keep getting more physical. He's got a great frame. Big-time baseball player, too. Oh, um, okay. he, like big-time. His brother's a first-round pick, our sandwich pick. Um, but uh, Jonah Williams has a lot of upside ability. I think he's – as he transitions to linebacker, he's got to continue to get more physical, but very talented athlete now. The lineman down at Dickinson as well? Yeah, he, may, he Tyler Thomas, very good 
player, very good upside, but he's hurt. I'm, I haven't heard the injury, but uh, I know he's out. Okay, got it. Thanks. Uh, real quick before we do this last question, uh, Kyle, the promo code for Game Time is on Texas, and it'll get you twenty dollars off. Okay, last question for today, guys. It's from Football Texas, and he has a question for you guys, career-wise. What was your first thought as a career change, or did you have another career in mind, or was this your first thought as a career, or did you have another career in mind? You guys are awesome and appreciate what you do. Um. So I, I'm interested in this. I, I graduated with, with an accounting degree from Texas. Um, so uh, <laughs> there, there's that. Uh, I worked for the football team while I was at Texas and realized during that time frame, I had no interest in accounting. And my real interest was in football and football recruiting. Uh, and I spent more time at the football offices than I did in the library study. Um, and so I, immediately after school, I went to work as a volunteer assistant graduate student at uh, the University of Houston uh, in their recruiting department and knew from basically my sophomore, junior year of college that I wanted to make football my life. Now, I didn't know whether it would be as a recruiting coordinator. Uh, I, I just didn't know. I just knew that I loved the topic and loved college football that much. Jerry? Yeah, I, I, I had an opportunity to uh, get in the college basketball world um, at a young age. Um, but uh, I just, coaching just wasn't what I wanted to do. There you go. Too, too nomadic a profession. I mean, it's like you're a nomad. I mean, it really is in the college game. You may be living in, it's it's like you're a Navy yeah. guy living in one place one year and someplace else two years later. Yeah. People don't realize what those guys, they don't just give up the time away from the family, the coaches. They also give up, um, they give up homes, right? I mean, look, I mean, I, I've talked to so many Texas assistants over the years that it, it's like, oh, I was here two years ago and I'm here. And they do this until they're 60. Yeah. So it's not a, a five-year run. Uh, one of the guys that stayed at Texas for a long period of time, Dwayne Aquina, uh, remains one of my real friends to this day in this business. Um, and, you know, he was a rare bird. He, he he worked at two schools, really, for the mo majority of his career, Arizona and Texas. And then he goes to Stanford and he stays there for like seven or eight years. That is a normal career, not moving more than three or four times in his career. So um, that's very abnormal. Most, most coaches move seven to eight, ten times uh, in a college coaches in a career. All right, Bobby, before we leave, what's happening on On Texas Football later today? Well, we got some interesting things going on. Uh, noon, we got the, the state of the program coming out. Eric Nalin and I will uh, uh, be talking back about that later today. That's the uh, uh, once a week subject where we try to take on the bigger aspects of Texas football uh, and athletics in general, as well as recruiting. Uh, and then tonight, we have a live stream, seven o'clock. Uh, I mentioned Rod Babers will be back. Uh, also, Ray Peters and I are going to be interviewing a. Uh, I would say a star in college sports world and in sports broadcasting period, Gus Johnson, uh, the uh, announcer for Fox will be joining us. We're going to be talking some of the big games he's called and just get a behind the scenes peek at, at one of uh, the nation's uh, most cherished announcers. So 
hope that you have that out for you either later today or sometime tomorrow. Hey, right. by the way, I think somebody just said Billy Lucci put out that Connor Wiegman is done for the year, which I'd heard that yesterday. Uh, same injury that uh, I've heard, same injury that Brennan Thompson had in high school, and that will keep you out for eight to 12 weeks after surgery. That's the tailless bone in your yep. foot. Yep, that's yep. not a good injury. That's a tough one. Hey, and real quick, before we do leave, guys, don't forget tomorrow we will have Coach Brian Irwin on at 8.30 in the morning. You uh, so you'll have to make sure to tune in for that. That's always a good one. And we want to thank all of you for tuning in today, all of the Super Chats. We want to thank Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm for sponsoring today's show. And, uh, yeah, for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a good day, guys.